ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my woman. The very first time I held my Paris retreat, we were walking up to Sacre-Cœur, which is a huge church on Montmartre. And just before we got to the bottom of the steps was a merry-go-round. This beautiful carousel that had horses and, you know, chariots and pigs. And I don't even know what else. But the sound was going, you know, that carousel sound like do, 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 do. And we all looked at each other and we ran to the carousel. And let me share, we were all women who were in our 40s or 50s. And we went around and around on the carousel laughing and taking selfies with a selfie stick because that was the thing at the time. And we just played. And it was one of those moments I didn't put in the itinerary I couldn't have planned for. And yet we would all say it was one of the pivotal moments of that entire retreat. Like, yes, it was incredible going up the Eiffel Tower, screaming our desires, and at the top drinking champagne that we're going to create the life of our dreams. And yes, it was incredible to take the boat ride on the Seine. And that carousel made us come alive, made us giddy, made us feel like little girls again and like powerful women. And this is the power of play. And we know from the research that little kids play all the time. You don't need research to tell you that little kids play all the time. But we know from the research that little kids have something called zest. And they're very zesty. They're playful. And when they're playing, their brains are expanding and they're learning and they're growing. And then we know for adults that zest is almost non-existent for most adults. And what we're missing in there is the power of play, the power of that joyful expansion. And there's so much research of what happens in our brains when we play, what happens in our bodies, what happens for our health. And my guests today are the perfect guests to share all of this with us. Let me introduce you to them. They are the co-authors of The Power of Play, Optimize Your Joy Potential. This book is so, so good. And they are dear friends of mine. And so this is going to feel like a little reunion and fun. And these are women that I admire. I adore. They are teachers of mine. They are sisters. They are colleagues. They are everything. First, let me introduce Elaine. Dr. Elaine O'Brien is one of the most informed academics, theorists, and practitioners on the intersection of positive movement, fitness, vitality, mental and physical health, and zesty aging. She is one of the first 100 people in the world to earn her master's degree in applied positive psychology, the program that I attended. She was one of the first few, and she was an alumni when I started the program, and instantly I fell in love with Dr. Elaine. You're going to love her. This work was under Dr. Martin Seligman, of course, and immediately he recognized her 
zest. He recognized her brilliance in his book, Flourish. She was a MAP Summit alumni-invited speaker. Dr. Seligman has stated that her work advances the role of the body and positive movement. She earned her PhD in human movement psychology in her 60s. So yes, you can do anything and everything regardless of what age you are after decades of leadership in the dance and fitness industry. She is also a professor at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And of course, she is the co-author of The Power of Play, Optimize Your Joy Potential. She's joined today by her co-author, Andrea Seidel. And Andrea... Andrea is a powerhouse of knowledge and growth. She has an unwavering passion for education and personal development. She has a psychology degree in her postgraduate studies in positive psychology and resilience training. She's an accredited positive psychology coach, a respected figure in the fitness and yoga community, and her expertise extends to nonviolent communication, neuro-linguistic programming, post-traumatic growth, mental health, first aid, and so much more. Her mission is to empower people to navigate life's challenges with resilience and Grace. Through her best-selling book, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction, her influential podcast and support community, she has touched countless lives. She's a regular contributor to Recovery Today magazine and an active advocate for the recovery community. She is a transformative force. You are going to love this woman. Through her company, Live Life Happy Publishing, she creates a haven for book lovers and aspiring authors. She's affectionately known as the book doula. She nurtures coaches, psychology experts, and entrepreneurs in the process of giving birth to their literary creations. She bridges the gap between aspiring authors and knowledge-seeking individuals. She harnesses the power of books to change lives and make a positive difference in the world. And the two of you together, oh my God, it's like the most sparkly, deep, beautiful, compassionate, kind, brilliant, smart, spirited, soulful women. Together, Elaine and Andrea share their insights and how to infuse more happiness and spontaneity in your life all through the power of play. Wait until you hear these two. All right. So the two of you are like power, power, power dynamic, my friends. And when I saw that the two of you had partnered together to write a book, I was like, oh, this is going to be juicy. And you did not disappoint. You did not disappoint because this book is so good. So let's start with play and even what it is. You know, here we're all about reclaiming what it is to be a woman. And I was leading a retreat in Miami maybe three years ago, four years ago, before the pandemic. (laughs) And I brought up the different aspects of woman for each of us to really feel into. And one aspect I brought up was play and joy. And women got sad. One woman said, I haven't felt playful in about 15 years. And this was echoed by a lot of the women in the room because of responsibilities or because of having kids and having work and having just, it's like overwhelmed with too much going on. And so there was a sadness around play. And so I want to begin there And just ground into why it's so important. Because here as adults, we don't have a lot of it. So let's talk about why is play so important. Karen, you are a marvel and an exemplar of play. And I love the story about Paris. Um, (laughs) And that being how the calliope, right, at the merry-go-round called you. It was Mm -hmm. a siren beckoning you to um, 
things that you remember to the joy of music, to the animals, mm. right? And, and the merry-go-round and the motion. So play something that we feel inside our hearts and our minds. And again, we can learn so much by looking at children. Like when you see Shay, or I look at the pictures of you with your gorgeous son. I mean, it's just like you are lighting up. And I think that um, there are triggers like about play, maybe things that maybe we didn't enjoy about play. But if we can think about um, adopting a play mindset that Andrea and I talk about in our book, where you are open to the possibilities and think about all the different ways that you might and feel more joy, more meaning in your life. And again, enjoyment to savor the good, to look at even like walking a puppy, right? To notice what they're noticing and just to feel that sense, that multi-sense benefit that you can attain by just letting yourself go and to reclaim your zest at any mm. age is really important because you're right, Karen, the research shows that as we age, the zest goes down, that ability to um, play goes down. So thank you for um, inviting us to be on to talk about play. And uh, to me, Andrea is such an exemplar of play. And I was immediately attracted to writing the book with her on this. And it was just really a, a lovely and playful experience. Mm. Andrea, what do you think? Oh my gosh. Well, and I'm so thankful, Karen, for uh, us connecting. And I have a true story. It's hilarious. We first met, we had never met each other, and we met in Toronto. We were both at a conference. And we were in a booth and um, they decided they were going to take some pictures of this booth. So you and I just started posing and modeling and flicking our <laughs> hair and like you and I were literally like playing with the camera. We had no idea who this person was. And they were like, actually take some with our cameras. And then we started continuing and it was so fun. And we literally said to each other like, oh my gosh, you're like my new playful best friend. Like, and it felt like I felt like you were my best friend instantaneously because you are such an example of play mm. and just spontaneity and novelty and fun. And yes. I think what you bring up is so profound and touches my heart. And this is one of the reasons we wrote this book is that I think the sadness comes from the people think that they've forgotten how to play and they've forgotten what brings them joy and they feel disconnected to something yes. that they know can bring them so much happiness into their life and they've, they've forgotten or they've put it on the back burner because of responsibilities and to-do lists and tasks and, and just sometimes driven, so driven to be a success or in our career, or whatever it is. And I think that, that that is where that sadness comes because we know in our heart that we're made to play we're made to have fun our lives are meant to be joyful and so and that is that element of joy potential we all have it in us it's just mm. a matter of tapping back into it um, and so so that is why we wrote the book to really make a case for the power of play so that it can help us yes you you nailed it that just hit so like deep in my soul that we forgot we think we don't know how to do it anymore, or we think that we can't anymore, when in fact, we must. We must play. I, I, I'm mentoring a student at Columbia who's studying play, and she works for a major corporation. So she's setting up a play workshop, and the people loved it. And then when it got up to the higher ups, they were like, we can't do play. We're not a play culture. We can call it flow, but we can't call it play. I have another dear friend at AARP, very progressive organization. And she talks about how people 
that say don't play, but how play is so important. And one thing that Andrea and I found out in our research is that when you have a play mindset, it lays down a foundation of goodness, right? So that mm. if you go into a pit of despair or sadness, that play mindset can help you so that if you're at zero, you're not going to go. If you're up and you're feeling playful, it can take you, you know, maybe you'll feel sad, but then you can bounce back a little bit better and not only bounce back, but it's part of your repertoire. And then again, like that broaden and build, we can just like, we play and then other people get happy. Like yes. even, I wish I was there with you two in that photo shoot. <laughs> I mean, what a riot. That was great. Oh. You were probably at that conference. And it's so true. And when I see people playing, I'm captivated. Yes. I want to jump in, right? I once had a client say to me, is all you do frolic? Like, she's, <laughs> I'm like, well, frolicking happens to be my favorite pastime. That is true, right? Like, we can turn any mundane or kind of ordinary moment into one that's playful. Yes. And having a three-year-old around helps a lot for me, right? Because everything becomes imagination. Everything becomes play. Every Right. Except for when we say no to some of the things he wants to play with, like <laughs> bopping us in the head with something, you know, because that seems fun. But as adults, this is so important. Why is it that we lose that sense? Is it just responsibilities? Is it we think it's not important anymore? What's going on that we lose that sense of play? I think there's there's many things that can can contribute. Some people think like that maybe play um, is a luxury once we're done all our work, or maybe they if they have a mindset around it that it's like play is just like something off to the side that n isn't a priority, or that they might even think that. Um, like they, sometimes what happens too is they just get overwhelmed by life and they're just in the treasury or the barriers could be that play is expensive or play, um, play takes creativity or, you know, in order for, if, if I want to play, I want to travel, but travel's so expensive. So they come up with, you know, excuses or they have a negativity bias around it or something along there too. And there's just, you know, those are some obstacles to play, but um, the idea is to make a really big case for the power of play and how it doesn't need to take up your whole day. It could be micro moments of play. Mm. Like yesterday, it was so funny. I had a balloon that I had blown up for a launch party and it was just kind of floating around the house and we had a keep the balloon up party between. Yes. It's so fun. Yes. Like it's just like, and then we we're like, okay, now use, now use your elbow only. Okay. Now use your heel only. Now use your boobs. It was so funny. Yes. 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 All of it. All My, of it. Micro moments like and it's just making a case and remembering oh I can have fun in the smallest way I can make a new recipe and that's fun or mm. I can make my bed different or I can randomly go to my closet and close my eyes and pick out a new outfit or pick two choices of outfits and then pick one and see which one I'm randomly wearing like you can build novelty and fun and play and joy into your day I know for me I love going for walks and hikes and playing in nature so I make sure that every week at least I have a, a nice long hike picked mm. and I'm going to go to a different trail to try something new and and that's just one way that I that I play and it's just it's really building it in and making a case yeah you know I wonder if people don't know what brings them joy now. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think that if you like tune into yourself, like just um, my grandmother would say, Stata so you stay a little quiet, right? That way you can just like kind of focus in to your feelings, think about your dreams and your goals, 
and again, as Andrea said, play can be free. Getting out in nature every day, mm. that just shifts the whole um, feeling of just like from maybe not so good to feeling good, to breathe, to be have sensory awareness, right? To take a breath, to check your posture, just to listen to your body and your heart and your mind. And, you know, like you said, Karen, we, we all go through like sad times. And again, that play can lay a foundation for goodness and we can find it in different ways, thinking about things we enjoyed as a child, um, looking um, maybe even old, old school, looking in a newspaper in your community events, mm. see what's going on. Um, there's always music um, around. And if we seek it, we can find it. Sometimes I think to me, one of the main benefits of the power of play is the connections that we make, not only within ourselves, but with other people and the right. world. And right. I think that when we can find meaning in play, along with enjoyment, that really helps to change um, change things up and move the dial toward feeling even better about yourself and about the possibility of what you can gain through play when you give as well. Mm. So, you know, like you could do like a fun run or a walk for the arts or race for the cure or a dance-a-thon. And one thing about you, Karen, my goddess friend, is you're always dancing. <laughs> and that is one of the best things that you can do in your whole life because it helps you with your brain thinking. It connects you to people. You're a positive role model. You're mm, moving your you. body. You're just like um, working your cardiovascular system, right? Your flexibility. So all those components of many types of fitness, social fitness, psychological, emotional, physical fitness, and just fitness connecting and inspiring the world. Right. This is so great. And thank you. And I'm open to a dance party with either one of you or any of you listening at any time because I love me a dance party, right? The play often involves our body moving. Yes. Yeah, and sure. so, of course, you get the – it's like someone might be out there and like, oh, I hate exercise. I hate – right? And it's like, well, what do you like to do for play? Because if you like playing charades, you're moving your arms, you're moving your legs. If you like dancing or you like kayaking, it's like don't – we don't have to think of something as exercise when you're thinking of play because play, many plays, maybe not a board game, but even in a board game, when you win or you lose, you're like, oh, right. And you really get your hands into it and your arms into it, or at least I do. <laughs> Me too. So there's like, you know, it's like there's so much movement. Yes. So you bring something up so good there, Karen, is that there's so many ways to play. And I think that uh, just taking a pause point and self-reflecting and kind of thinking back of like, what did I love to do when I was little? Or what am I inspired by with other people? You know, even like, it's almost like if someone were to watch someone else's Instagram feed and go, oh my gosh, I love how she does that. Like, I wish I was mountain biking. And then it's like, it's inspiration for play. And it's almost like taking the, the idea that there's so many ways to play. It could be, you know, Sudoku puzzles, or it could be like, you know, there's so many different ways to play. It could be playing with your kids. It could be playing with recipes. It could be playing with sexuality. It could be playing mm. with so many things. And by cultivating this play mindset and kind of being open to all the possibilities, like what I usually do is I open my door and I let my dog out and I go, go play crystal. And I like, you know, I like, and I, I kind of do a dance or I go outside and I take a deep breath. And I look at the sky in awe. And that's how I play in that micro 
micro moment. Mm. So it doesn't have to be like the grandiose, like, you know, going on a trip and playing or like super adventure climbing a mountain. Play can be such small things. It could be even deciding to learn one new piano song in a month or, Mm. you know, there's so many ways to play. So you just talked about the play mindset and micro moments. This is huge. This is huge. Will you share more about this micro-momenting? Yeah, I I think it's about finding joy in little moments during the day and noticing um, things that can lift you up. And they're like exciters that just energize you and and bring you to another level of well-being, Mm. another level of goodness. And again, it just like kind of doesn't take a lot of time. So one thing I like to do is, um, since I stopped teaching aerobics after the pandemic, I just feel like, oh my gosh, like I love movement so much. So I'll do my floss my teeth and do my squats. <laughs> so it's just like, or just putting things in, or even like if you're getting a coffee to notice what the barista maybe has on it to give a compliment, you like the person's earrings. And that mm. just sets up such a beautiful kind of um, feeling for the day that I had my colonoscopy yesterday and you know, it's nice. The person was like, you're the most fun person we've had all day. So it's just, <laughs> you know, thank you. It's just, um, and again, it's- Hashtag it's- making colonoscopies play. <laughs> <laughs> making colonoscopies fun again. Yes. <laughs> of course. Will you, co- I need to get one. Will you come with me on mine? <laughs> I'm going to need a lane with me. I would me. do it for you. I'm need a lane with me. <laughs> I'll tell you, once you get the prep, once you do the prep, it's all- Then it's it's easy. Yeah, that prep is scaring me a little bit, but that's a different. That's for a different one. That's for a different. It really is, and and I would just say do the pills, and like I have a a playful trip for that for for next. A playful trip for that. Okay, perfect. So yeah, so it's finding it in whatever, whatever you're doing, right? I love your example of the squatting while you're flossing your teeth. It's so funny. You'd appreciate this one, Karen. Um, one of my clients, she says that she just plays by going into like a Starbucks or she'll be anywhere and she'll just kind of like look a little longer at men. So she's playing with men. So she will wa- do like the long, the delayed long eye stare and she just kind of mm. sees what the reaction is or she'll wink at someone or she'll just kind of like, and she has fun doing that. And that's one way she plays. So, I mean, not that we're all going to go do that, but it's like, it just, shows you that you can make like little tiny micro moments like even my daughter she my my both my kids will they'll tell you they don't like this but I think they secretly do like this so I saw in the funniest home videos one time there was a woman who always made her husband dance before she would let him in somewhere and so like if the door was locked she'd make him dance and so I've I've adopted that with my children so when they come to the door to get into my car I'm like dance and then so Felicia has to do this little dance even if we're in the high school parking lot she's so now she does like a little tiny one because she knows it's coming but like little tiny things like that are so fun and it just adds Mm. micro moments of joy and it really does allow us to almost make it a habit like if you think about ways that you can build in play into your life and like for example I am not a laundry fan but I love podcasts and I play, I love listening to podcasts and I, I play by listening to podcasts and maybe, I'll, or I'll put some music on or I'll call my best friend and I will talk to my friend while I'm folding all my laundry and I get it away. Mm. Before I know it, I have something that I'm not really joyful in doing, but I have it, I, I get it done. You made it a joyful experience. You know, this is so interesting. Back to my three-year-old because a lot of things get back to 
to my child, right? And the there are things about parenting that I have found not joyful. There is so much about parenting I have found so joyful. But like when he doesn't want to do something, he has a temper tantrum, right? And then it can get so frustrating. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And so we went through a period of time where he didn't want to brush his teeth. He didn't want uh, he doesn't know how to brush his teeth yet, but he didn't want us to brush his teeth. And if he closes his mouth, there you can't you can't get in there. Like, I actually need your participation. <laughs> it's not like you don't want to go to school. I'm putting you in the car and we're going anyway. But if you don't want to brush your teeth, I, I can't actually open your mouth. And I think it was Dr. Becky. She's a parenting expert who gave the advice to turn the things that are not fun into a game. So when he didn't want to brush his teeth one day, and this is probably when he was two, um, so probably about a year ago, I said, is that a dinosaur in your mouth? Do you have a dinosaur in your mouth? And then he started laughing. And then I and oh, the dinosaur is getting the toothbrush. The dinosaur is getting the toothbrush, right? And so now we have a few versions of that, right? Like the train going into, there's a choo-choo train, chugga-chugga-choo-choo. And now I do a very good Elmo impersonation. And that Elmo is giggling when I brush his teeth. It's like I'll brush his teeth as if I'm tickling Elmo. Oh, the tickles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. So it's like when I find myself getting frustrated because he doesn't want to do something, I have to continuously remind myself, make this fun and he will react differently. And that's just how our brain is wired, isn't it, Elaine? That's a play mindset and a micro moment together. Mm. That is like the perfect example. Of <laughs> it. it really is. So how do we adopt a play mindset? I think one thing is being open, being mm. appreciative, um, just like for, you know, thinking, having perspective, you know, I think just thinking about, again, what are things that bring you awe? I think that's like a new study of research that's really, really growing, you know, the savoring, the awe, taking time. And there's a lot, again, back to the work week, why we don't, why we don't play, why yeah. we take things so seriously. And again, why it, it's just so important to do it because of all, again, the connections, the beauty, the well-being part of it. Just like what what's life about? Why not like spread goodness and joy and, and have some more fun in the world? I think it's just so contagious. It is I kind contagious. of forgot the question. Well, it's okay because so did I. But your personality is so contagious, Elaine. Like – so every year, our graduate program does an alumni reunion, and there are hundreds of us gathered in this room. We all studied positive psychology, and I always say, like, you know, no one who studies positive psychology is an asshole. Like, so, you know, we're all, like, pretty good, you know, hearted, optimistic, like, wanting to change and save the world kind of people. And Elaine, you've always been tapped, in addition to leading academic seminars, but also for movement and energy boosts because your energy is contagious. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. And Andrea, like my co-fitness leader, it's, you know, and I think that the movement, it just is uplifting. And I had such a nice compliment from um, a friend the other day, um, Zach Prager from the San Diego Consciousness um, Hackers Group. And he said that, you know, that we would do movement in an auditorium, like an academic auditorium. And what's better than that? I mean, our math classes, as Karen said, they're eight hours. Well, there's amazing. There, there are no, what Karen said, 
people are really just so awesome and, yeah, and good people. Loved. They're good people, but you're sitting for eight hours sometimes and you're just, your brain feels like it's going to explode. So when you move, when you play, it just mm. releases all that, like even that you stress, right? There's good stress of learning. You stress, right? Is a good stress, but still it's stress. So you need to just dissipate it. And like you said, by moving and even like with the choo-choo story and, and Elmo, right? With, with Shay, it's just like, that's brilliant. It's like there's my, there's little movements, there's bigger movements. Like Andrew said, if you're playing a game and you said, Karen, and you win, it's like exclamation. exclamation. So it's like, it's great. Yes. Mm. So thank you for the shout out about mm -hmm. the movement. Well, One it's true. Just the contagion, right? I also want to talk about the science because this book is very well researched. And oh. anyone who's listening and is like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have time for that. Or that's cute. Or like, you know, it's sure when I have some time or I have I'm doing like a girl's weekend or whatever it might be. But there's hard science behind yeah. play. Right. Earlier, we said you must do it. <laughs> Actually, earlier, Elaine, you said you must. Right. So talk to us about the science of play. It's so interesting because with play, it intersects so lovingly with positive psychology, which is a science of human flourishing. And it's amazing because when you think about play, it almost contributes to all the elements of well-being. So you think about positivity, you think about positive emotions. It's like when you play, you have so many emotions of joy and happiness and, you know, gratitude and connection. And it just, it's amazing how it helps also with relationships because oftentimes we're playing with other people. It brings us together. Maybe you have a group of, you know, people coming together for play in a book club and then you have friends. It creates connections connections. It fosters connections. Um, there's so many benefits in terms of being in awe and in flow state, right? So when you're doing things in play, you kind of lose track of time and you're doing something just for the sheer enjoyment of it instead of, you know, like I have to do this. It's like, it's amazing how you kind of lose track of time. Mm. Some of it's challenging. Like if you go to a good yoga class, you know, and you're like, and then it also enhances mindfulness and self-awareness. And it allows us to step out of our, you know, our busyness of a schedule, monotony, and allows us to then tap back into the, the upward spiral of positive emotions, as well as just more creativity. And it gives us meaning, like what's, li what's life without play, right? It doesn't have a lot of meaning. So mm -hmm. it connects to meaning and purpose and um, it enhances our vitality. And so it really intersects so well well to help us on such so many levels to really safeguard our mental health. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, as Andrea said, there's so many aspects. And even if we think of uh, Marty Seligman's PERMA model of flourishing, Andrea talked about the positivity, right? So PERMA, P-E-R-M-A stands for that positivity, the engagement. So that's key. A lot of times people, you know, like Andrea said earlier, they don't really know what to do, but the complexity and the variety around play can really make a difference in just like making our um, our lives more enjoyable. And then there's the uh, relationships that we mentioned with the world, with ourselves, with other people, you know, even a bowling league or something, getting together with people. I'm starting to take the drums next month. <gasps> Yay! Whatever, whatever. You're the coolest. <laughs> the coolest. So, 
just always, my brother was the musical one. I'm like, let me, it's never too late. I want to go for it. So the relationships, the meaning in life, and I think mattering, play matters and achievement, mm. right? So that you can learn every day through playful experiences. And again, tuning in and yes. tuning out. Yes. So Andrea, I met you through the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program through the Flourishing Center. So we are all positive psychology practitioners here. And in that program, which by the way, if anyone wants a certification in positive psychology, it's an incredible program. Just putting that out there. I don't get any kickbacks for saying that. It's just incredible. One of the videos that I got from that program is by John Medina called Brain Rules. And he shows children playing on the playground at recess, does it very simply. He shows that as they're playing, there's little light bulbs that pop up over his head. I'm seeing some nodding like you guys have seen this video. I know, Andrew, you have, Elaine, you probably have as well. And then he says, so he says, children's brains on the playground and there's all these light bulbs while they're throwing the ball and climbing on the swing and whatever else they're doing. Children's brains in the classroom. And it shows like these big red X's or something like zzz, zzz, zzz. And then it shows adults walking to work and shows the light bulb and someone's happy and they're noticing the sunshine and noticing the trees or, you know, moving their body. And then it says adult at work in the beige cubicle, you know, and you get the X again. And it was so powerful. It was a really great demonstration that the brain on play is actually a healthier brain and is better suited to learning than just the sedentary sitting in the classroom or sitting at the desk. So can you connect the brain research for us here? I, I mean, that that infusion of play, right? Again, those micro moments, the play mindset really matters. And it's a brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's like a miracle growth from the, for the brain mm. when we're actually moving our body in some way. And again, that it can occur as well, you know, in a more quiet game, but it's really triggered uh, and, or I'll say it's really activated when we do some kinds of, like you said, walking to work or playing. And that's why I think it's really important for us to have like recess, right? To just be able to take our own recess as adults. And I, I think one of the things along with the research in the book that I really love is all the, what we call spontaneous activities. Yes. The fun, spontaneous activities. Like, I mean, from, you know, theater to sport, to movement, to sexuality. I think it really, really matters. And to clean, how to clean your closet, you know, or your home. I think these really um, can help if people forgot how to play. Um, we also have what we call a fun tracker, and it's a free um, booklet that you can uh, see what we talk about in the book. And then it gives examples that Andrea and I created to help you enjoy more play. So we want to definitely invite people to at least um, sign up for the fun tracker and um, see if you like it. And you can check off what you'd like to do and it's I love that. Yeah. It's where really, does somebody get the fun tracker? We'll we'll make sure we get all the links at the end, but let's go ahead now. Where do we get the fun tracker? I, I would say um the power of play dot fun. It's our website, the power of play dot fun is Beautiful. the place to go. Beautiful. So the the funtaneous, which was such a great word, by the way. I don't know if you guys made up that word, but it's a really great word. 
<laughs> because the book is a spontaneous experience like that. Like I just I felt like this book was so easy to read. It was a joyful experience because it was it was literally like micro moments. Each chapter is short. It's doable as opposed to like when you look at something and it's 80,000 pages and you don't know where to start. This is like you you explain the concept, you explain why it matters, you explain the research and then you give the activities to do. Right. So these spontaneous activities, I think that it's so important because my experience with women, like I'm going back to that Miami retreat when the women felt a little sad that I when I talked about play, they didn't remember or know anymore what would bring them joy. They knew when they were six, maybe. But like, what about now as an adult woman? Right. When play is not honored for adults or for women, you know, we have to be responsible. We have to take care of everybody else. We have all these responsibilities. And so I love that you give so many different examples and so many different ways to do play. Thank you. And Mm. you raised something so important too, Karen, about this idea that when we're going through trauma or when we're going through challenge and struggle, it is so important and essential for us to tap back into play because Mm. we can have times, even though we need to move in, we need to move out of the stress and close the stress loop. Um, So I know that for me, a big part of I was in a relationship where I loved someone with an addiction and lost someone to addiction. And so that was very stressful for me. But I have to say, um, adopting moments of play, like getting out to my Mm. yoga classes and connecting with my girlfriends and having times that brought some moments of happiness for me made me more resilient and helped me get through those really, really tough times. So Mm. I think that it's so essential for people to understand that play is a really, really rich element or is something that we want to really safeguard in our lives and advocate for because it can help us to be more resilient to, like you said, if we're trying new things too, we're creating new neurological pathways or really creating and enhancing our brain function. And it's Mm -hmm. helping us to almost like de-stress. And as we know, when we go through a chronic activation of the stress response, it becomes distress. And so if we do things that can help close that stress loop, such as play, it helps to put that energy into motion Mm. and allows us to emote feelings and uh, frustration, anger, fear, and just worry. And and so it's really, really important on so many levels. Mm. You're bringing up something really important that I have really been feeling into for myself and I have talked in the last week about with my coach and my therapist, which is with so much trauma, with so much pain and, frankly, kind of hell breaking loose in the world at the moment, right? There is human trafficking and women's rights being taken away and fear of sending our children to schools in the United States. I've been feeling even a little bit frivolous to talk about play and to talk about joy. And it's really been something that I've been meditating on and journaling on. And like I said, talking to my therapist and talking to my coach about because it's like, What I teach is joy and happiness. And like, we have real issues. We got to save our kids in school right now. How can I be talking about happiness? Or my dad has Alzheimer's. Someone I love dearly, 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 a young person in my life has an insidious disease. So how do we talk about joy with all that? And I've really been grappling with it because I know that, I know that joy is ultimately the answer. And I 
I've been grappling with it. So I'd love to hear the two of you continue to, to riff on this with so much in the world. How do we hold the both and? Or is joy what we need in order to be able to handle, like you were talking about resilience through the challenges? It's so important. Yeah, it, it is so important. I'm so sorry about what you just shared, Karen, and holding you in my heart um, and your family and and the, and the world, right? The, the, you know, again, like with the gun violence, we lost our niece to gun violence oh, God. Uh, three months ago. It's just like, and it was... Uh, it's just like uh, horrific. And again, you know, to be able to talk about play, I think I understand what you're saying about the frivolity of joy and, um, you know, play at this time. And yet one of my missions, and I, I, I don't want to speak for Andrea, but I would, I would say I would bet it's yours as well, is to try and reduce the risk of mental health issues, right? Mm. The, that we want to help lift people's minds and hearts up um, as much as we can. And mental health is definitely uh, important. We're in a crisis of mental health concerns. So if we spiral down, it's not going like, it's like the oxygen mask, right? You put your own on first, right? So that maybe you can help another. And I know when Andrea was talking, and I, I am digressing a little bit from your statement, but Andrea reminded me of when I was in the pit going through a divorce with my husband of 15 years, who, by the way, is a, a really good father. And, you know, we had Thanksgiving and Christmas together, so it's a blessing. But I mean, when he started going out with the woman who lived around the corner from me, it was really hard. And I, so what I did was I joined this uh, Joints in Motion, again, in a local paper, found out, and I um, did a marathon um, mm. to the Arthritis Foundation. And what was, it was, we trained every week, you know, several times. I got a whole crew. We went, we flew to Dublin. And um, I'm such a, not, unlike you, I'm not a great runner, Karen, but I'm very slow. So I just. I, I am too, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every day, but that doesn't mean that I'm not slow. You're the marvelous, darling, by like the, the way. The 30-minute mile is my game. <laughs> But I did the marathon and it was like, again, such an achievement. And I met like so many great people and, you know, through the whole process, it just like lifted me up when I was like at a really low point. And also I had a cancer diagnosis at that time too. And it was just like, oh my God, how is, how is this going to be? And then it just like kind of shifted. So again, we can pray on the things in the world. We can like try and do our best to just like, live a good life and and just like um just appreciate our lives and the people that we love in the world and i think one of our um uh, parts and again not to make this a plug about the book but we have a play it forward right how we can use our healthy bodies to help ourselves and others in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a huge section of of your book it, this is really powerful elaine and you know, I believe in the power of play and I believe in the power of joy. And I wanted to ask and bring this up because if anybody's out there who feels guilty, I shouldn't be joyful right now. Right. right. That's the point. Or I shouldn't. Right. And it's like, so I wanted to bring this up because what you just said is so critical that in our hardest moments, it's actually when we need it the most. Yes. A friend of mine. Oh, I got a chill. Gave <sighs> A friend of mine gave birth to a baby that was stillborn. And 
she was sharing, happened many years ago, and she was sharing that one of the things that helped her cope was being in a group of other moms. And one day they were all together and someone made a joke and they all started laughing. And it was a moment like, we're not supposed to laugh. But they were in tears laughing and it was like exactly the medicine that these mamas needed. Because probably no one in their life was, no one wanted to laugh with them. No one wanted them to feel like no one knows what to say, right? And I'm thinking of you, Elaine, going through the divorce and cancer. You are one resilient woman. You are incredible. Well, I have chills. I have chills from what you just said. That sharing is so powerful. These are the moments we actually needed the most. You raise such a good point in that, you know, we're not immune to the ups and downs of life and that we are going to have struggle in life and we've all faced, you know, different degrees of challenge. And, and so I, I, it's, our book is really all about this idea of seeing play as an investment in yourself, Mm. in your future, and also into other people, because that is that piece that's going to help you even in the toughest times. It is that even if, and we have a part in the book that's all about like playing with your mind, even if it has to be, you know what, when you go to bed, play with three good things, you know, or like um, play with journaling. And and so there's there's many ways that you can play in the solace of yourself. And, mm. um, and but yeah, but we, we, the last thing we want you to do is hold back play um, and feel guilty for it because it is something that can really, really help in so many ways. Yes. Yeah. It's like I'm even thinking of Make-A-Wish Foundation, right? It's what does a child need who's given a terminal diagnosis? If that can't be helped, then what can they do, right? They could go on a trip to Disney or to see LeBron James play basketball or to cook with Martha Stewart. I don't know. Whatever the thing is, right? Or to go see Oprah. (laughs) Or Michelle Obama, you know, whatever. It's like, right, that is such an important, huge piece of life. And when I look back, actually, on what I remember most about, like, my childhood, I think about all the fun times and the funny things that we did. You know, certainly I can think of challenging things, too. But the best memories I have were when my brother, sister, and I were laughing about something. It's absolute medicine. It is medicine. It's great medicine. And even in our book, we talk about um, psychoneuroimmunology and Norman Cousins, who was, um, after a very stressful trip to Russia, he was really sick and he got this debilitating disease. And he asked the doctor if he could check himself out of the hospital into a hotel room across the street. And he wrote the power of, no, he wrote Anatomy of an Illness and how he Mm himself by watching funny movies surrounding himself with humor like picking that up and I think that another thing that you're bringing to light and Andrea like you're so eloquent about this as well that is this is a brand new area of research Mm -hmm. I'm working with three students right now who are studying play right in the corporate in the corporate arena in the um, medical and health arena and in the business arena so it's just like really powerful. And again, I'm so grateful to you for the work you do to lift up women in the world and people in the world, Karen. And I think that, you know, for your being a play exemplar, and, you know, it is, yeah, a really, I receive you, know, that. It is you know, it is a challenging time in the world. But again, I think the three of us share that same message about why you know, we want we want a better world. We want a more juicy, beautiful, happy, healthy world. And um, we look for the good for the future. Yes. 
And it's like we can focus on there's so much challenge, right? I mean, we've all just experienced the pandemic together and all this. And it's like, where do you want to focus your brain on all of the challenge and the downward spiral that it's never going to get better? We can have self-compassion and compassion for the world with all this. And the more each of us steps into our joy and makes these micro moments that you're talking about, we have this play mindset that you're talking about, and we're open to it and we're creating it, we actually then can be better warriors to manage, handle, and fight all that's in front of us. It's it's just absolutely, absolutely critical. And as you said, it's contagious. And I think that this is really a piece too. You know, I talk with a lot of women who won't do anything for themselves, right? Because we've all been told that to be a good mom, and we're all moms on this call here, but to be a good mother means you have to sacrifice everything. And one of the things we know from the research is that our emotions are contagious. And so when you are playing, when you are joyful, mama, that seeps in. Yes. That seeps in. So there's so much. I could talk to the two of you forever. (laughs) I was just going to say that, Karen, you are – and you give women and everyone in the world, actually, you give people permission to be silly, to have fun. And you are an example of like, okay, so I don't have to like do normal Zoom meetings. I can actually make them super playful. And you give women, you know, oh, oh, we can start with a dance party. We can finish with the dance party. Like you, you're an example of play and it's contagious in that way you're giving other people permission to be silly sometimes we think and and for me i like to be as silly as possible and i try to adopt that mindset like i almost like my mission is like let's see how much i can embarrass my children here (laughs) it's just fun but (laughs) i'm gonna start doing this you can't get in the car till you dance (laughs) i love it we do it I make Shay do a vitamin dance every day. He can't get his vitamin until, and, you know, he gets like a, And so, but also that's something I learned from you, Elaine. I want to make sure he's moving. And so that's like our movement in the morning is if we do a dance before the vitamin. Anyway, Andrea, <laughs> I cut you off. No. Yes. And I also wanted to say that you also have this amazing ability, which is part of play. And it's con- this contagious thing is that you celebrate when when someone else is happy and joyful or they have something really great going on in their life you have the amazing ability to have that happiness for them that that mm. freud and freud freud right we talked about it in the book too and celebrating someone else's accomplishments as if they're your own and that's yes. another fantastic way to play because it's like you could tag on to their their positive emotions and and then it just really does like exaggerate and make it even bigger so i just want to celebrate you oh for my that gosh. You yeah. two are welcome whenever you want. <laughs> and, and by the way, what Andrea is talking about, I so appreciate you. You know, if any of you have been sitting out there and you've like thought about taking my classes, you do want to take one for one of the some of what Andrea is talking about. We start every single one off and end everyone in a dance party. And I often wear costumes to class. So I make it like really, you know, if we're doing sexuality, you're going to see me in my lingerie and we're going to like go all out on that. Or if we're doing joy, I will probably wear like a purple wig or something like we're going all out. Or you and, start in a, in a black hoodie and then you take oh, it off because you're suddenly a beautiful rainbow. Because there is something without realizing what I was doing, I needed the two of you to show me what I was doing. I was doing the micro moments and also making everything an experience. 
Oh, yeah. Because we remember experiences more than we remember the science or the research. We remember the experience of it. And I'll say the three of us are just really juicy, groovy women who are super fun to play with. You all should come play with us. You need to read this book. You need to take. Elena, are you still doing fitness classes? I'm teaching splash dance. What a feeling this summer. Wait, what is splash dance? What a feeling. So it's a water fitness program. Um, I've actually been teaching for like 22 years. So it um, uses the principles of aqua dynamics and therm- like, yeah, so like physics in the water, but it's like to music. So come to come She's to so me. cool. She's so cool. Or you can get your master's degree with her in positive psychology here in Philadelphia. And Andrea, if any of you have thought about writing a book. She is your book doula. There's so much. I I mean, incredible, amazing. And so much I could talk to the two of you about. You're amazing, Karen. You are just like such a joy. And you are a, you are a play exemplar. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I think like Andrea said, you, you just really embody this. And I think that you give permission to people like me to, you know, like I, I didn't grow up with that, you know, Mm. um, like Andrea's mom, you know, would, would make everything a celebration, right? Which we talk about in the book is so great. My mom always had mental health issues. So it's like a little heavier. So again, when I see you being like so radiant, both of you, like this radiant joy that you exude, it lifts my heart. It just really makes me want to be more in touch with my own joy. Even though like Mm. you wrote the book, it's just something that we can also, again, appreciate others, catch other people doing things right. Who do you admire? And and think about that. And that helps you become. I love this so much. And I so appreciate everything you're saying, Elaine. And that's so hard to grow up with. And someone listening might say, well, that's great for the three of them. But I'm just not like that. Right? I'm just not like that. And what I'm hearing you say is you can learn. And it really is in all of our deeper nature. It's just going to look, I know you talk about this a lot in the book, it's going to look different for each of us. It doesn't have to look like it does for me. It doesn't have to look like it does for Elaine or for Andrea. Play gets to look different for each of you. Josh has started painting and he's like, painting a couple hours a day in a studio and it's a, it's a solo activity for him and he is having the time of his life whereas for me my play is let's get 50 women in a room and you know let's dance to girls just want to have fun like that's my you know or let's run in the ocean naked that's my fun and it's it gets to be different it could be intellectual fun or as you said sensual fun but what would you say to the woman who's like it's just not me or i don't know how to do that I think that I would say that I respect where you're coming from and to start where you are. And again, um, you can't force somebody to play. Uh, we, we have a friend, Catherine Britton, who tells a story about working at IBM and they would have a play culture where all of a sudden nerf balls would go be going by your head. And you know, that for her, that wasn't that enjoyable, right? So if you can think about something that means something to you, or maybe that can lift up another person, you know, or even something you enjoy. And again, getting out in nature, one of the most basic thing that will shift you toward more openness and more possibility for play. I think be kind to yourself. I think that will help find mm. inspiration. You know, mm. it's everywhere. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I echo that. It's, it's just starting small and just, um, 
and thinking about, you know, what it means to you, right? So it's just, it's so individual and just like, it could be, you could just make your bed and that be joyful. Looking at your bed made when organizing your pillows, cute. Like that could, you know, so it's just, it's just finding for you. And I, our book has so many inspirations. I mean, nowadays you can like Google inspirations. Like how can I make doing laundry fun? Or like, how can I, <laughs> yes. you know? So if you know you, you want to, uh, you know, just be open to it. And that's the first step, just being open to it. And then, and then slowly seeing how you can, you know, random, put some novelty or randomness in your life or anything yes. along those lines. Yeah. Research. I call it joy juice research. Ooh. Right. Thinking about it as research, right? And like we're working on the power play at work because ooh. we really need to uh, like infuse that, right? To have a work-life integration where we can, you know, it's not like you're working and then you have fun. Why not try and have fun and at work and work at, at play? You know, Absolutely. And is it Jane Dutton's research that shows that play is a critical part of teamwork? And so absolutely, play matters. So I always like to do this little thing with my guests called a purpose power play round, where I'm just going to ask you random questions. And whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. Are you down? Yes. Okay. I'm going to start with you, Elaine. You're first on my screen. Okay. When you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I want to be Miss America. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> I used to watch the pageant and I would like be so happy and cry tears of joy. <laughs> oh my goddess. I really see this in you, <laughs> Elaine, right? Like you are so poised and you have such presence. You're in front of big stages and big groups of people all the time. You're a super rock star. Like that makes so much sense to me. A little wave. Hey, oh, I love you. You're so. <laughs> I love it. What about you, Andrea? When you were when you were little, I think it's so funny because I used to think about what I want to wear, and like oh, so, I always wanted. Great. Yeah, I always wanted to wear like business suits, but then I also thought I love fitness clothes, which is mm. so funny because I like I teach yoga and I have the publishing company. So, and the other crazy thing is I used to go to bookstores and I would write all the titles of books down because I would love how they like how they came up with titles. And I, my, my siblings would ask to go shopping and I would ask to go to like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> my parents were like, what? And it's so crazy because it's like a little glimmer and insight yes. into what I want wanted to be. I really I always see that. Whatever somebody answers, there's, you know, either I'm just making it up, which could be true too, but I feel like there's always like it's not the thing itself. It's like the what's in the thing for someone, right? It's 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 the why there or what's underneath it. And what about what's one thing you would like to see in the world? A change you'd like to see in the world, Elaine? I think to me is around people understanding the value of uh, character, strengths, and virtues. And if we could approach the world from that point of view, I think that people would feel more understanding about themselves and others and be able mm. to have more love and care and peace in the world and mm. contentment and joy. So true. So true. So beautiful answer. Yes. What about you, Andrea? I think the message would be... Um, 
we we never know what people are dealing with. And um, I think that if we could all just uh, like exercise more understanding and you never know the backstory. Um, and so as my daughter, you know, she just texts me, goes, mom, pick me up. The girls are being mean at her school. And, and, and so I just like it, I just think that that would breed so much kindness and, um, and, yeah. you know, cause you don't ever know what someone's dealing with. So if you can just be kind, um, yes. I think that's what my message would be. Beautiful. Beautiful. Favorite play activity, Elaine. I I love water fitness. It makes me so happy. <laughs> it's just like it's real like your body's covered with water and it's there's this empowering and it's flexible and strong and innovative and you can be creative and it's just like freeing. So good. And you could do it naked. <laughs> Now you're talking my language, Elaine. Now you're talking my language. Yes. Yeah, I've done water Zumba, which is super fun. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah so good. What about you, Andrea? Oh, that's so hard because there's so many. I think that obviously I love reading because I read like three to five books a week. But I, you know, I think that- Do you really? I do. That is so well bragging. Amazing. <laughs> what? Breaking. That is so well bragging. I tell when I tell you I'm book obsessed, I'm book obsessed. Um, I think that would be my fun way to play, like grabbing books, uh, uh, summarizing them. I, I create mind maps. I, I love taking the learning and the golden nuggets, and yeah. Wow. Fabulous. So good. So good. I love the two of you. Okay, last question. What is one thing you want every woman to know? For me, I I just hope that every woman would know how amazing she is, the power, the beauty, the strength, the wisdom. And again, the work that you're doing around advancing women as goddesses in the world is just one of the most beautiful ways to be mm-hmm. and to just honor, honor yourself because you are the mothers of the world. You are like from a mother and even if you're not a mother, you are a mother because mm-hmm. you are part of the world. Yes. Thank you, sister. I think mine would be that we're all snowflakes, that we're all beautiful in our own way, and um, that social comparison is something we should just like push away and just raise each other up instead of, you know, tearing people down and just recognize that we're all unique and just celebrating other people's successes. And that Mm. I think that that would be, that would be my message. Yeah. That we're all beautiful and unique. Do you see why I love these women? Love you so much. I'm the luckiest, the most blessed. Thank you to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and sharing your research and sharing your work. And you are just truly, truly, truly changing the world. And we so appreciate you. Everyone out there, thank you for listening to this episode. Go get the power of play. Optimize your joy potential from these two incredible women. Where can they get the book? Where do they learn more? Tell us everything. Yep, the book. Thank you so much, Karen, first of all, for having us. And we feel so honored to be with you. And you're just always such a joy. And I love all your Mm -hmm. courses and everything that you're doing to raise women up and allow them to share their voice with the world. And um, we just so appreciate you and your time with us. Oh, my gosh. Do you, this is, 
Here's what I'm going to say to all of you. Get yourself girlfriends like this. <laughs> get yourself friends that when you all get together, you're like, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. And you're amazing. And you're more amazing. And you're the most amazingness because the amount of joy and love that I feel in my body right now, I'm like, I feel like I'm gushing, like overflowing. And I'm thinking the two of you feel that way as well. Adore this you. This is it in the moment, right? This is joy in the moment. Find yourself girlfriends who you love and you want to tell how amazing they are and they want to tell you. Yes. So true. Yeah. Okay, continue, Andrea. I got you. And, yeah. and, and the book's available anywhere that you purchase books. So um, we would love for you to optimize your joy potential. Yes. Amazon.com, right, too. You can get it there or powerplay.com and Karen, what a joy. I mean, this is like such a treat. I was so excited. It's just a And am I allowed to say that uh, about my nipples being hard still? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like, what fun. It's like you just inspire. And Andrew, what always love to you both. And to your listeners, thank you. Thank you so mm. much. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you all for listening. We hope you love this episode as much as we love doing it. If so, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave your five-star review. It literally takes you 30 seconds. And your reviews are how I get the most awesome guests in the world and how we get to women all around the world. It's literally changing the world one woman at a time. Of course, head on over to Instagram, follow me at Karen Rockin there, or I'm new on TikTok. You can find me at The Woman Whisperer. And if you have not yet signed up to get my newsletter, we have big changes coming up that are going to be so fun and so exciting, and I'm going to be giving out prizes. So you want to make sure that you go to PurposeGirl.com right now before we change the name and sign up to get your Living on Purpose guide. All of that said, my loves, may you live purposefully, may you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.